This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Burnside, Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters, where I'm joined by Carolina basketball legend and 2017 national champion Justin Jackson. Justin, this is a mailbag edition of Up in the Rafters from the IC Premium Message Board. Appreciate everybody sending in the questions. Always helps out the podcast. People have a lot of questions about this team. I'm hoping that you have some answers. A lot of people are watching this team kind of confused with with what we're watching. Uh, But on a lighter note, somebody opened the questions and said, what is your favorite comedy movie of all time? Oh, you didn't warn me about these questions, man. Um, favorite comedy, I think it just kind of depends, man. Because, like, Elf to me is a comedy movie, but at the same it time, it's like Christmas, like, it falls in both categories. Yeah, so I'm gonna say Elf because it's a classic, but semi pro is hard to beat. Um, well, honestly, Ferrell, more I, yeah, I, I was just about to say the more I think about it, it's more Will Ferrell. Uh, so yeah i'd probably say you gotta throw those two in there yeah if i if i had to go i would go stepbrother so i'm i'm with you with the the will farrell uh that question was from heel blue 82 the next question we have getting to the basketball stuff uh just to set the scene carolina they've lost five of their last seven games they won the last time out against notre dame at notre dame but it was ugly 19 points at half from the Tar Heels. They shot 18.5% from the field. According to Steve Kirshner, that's that's the lowest percentage that North Carolina's ever shot in a half. They outscored the Irish by 12 in the second half to win. I think the biggest takeaway from that game is, is nothing is going to come easy for this team as they kind of close out the season. Every game, they're going to play teams tight, and, and they're really not that much better than – than any other team when their shots not falling. But uh, this question is for you. It's what do you think the biggest issue with this team is? Is it simple as a lack of shot making intensity, attention to detail, offensive scheme, or do the pieces just not fit or all of the above? <laughs> um, that question is loaded. Um, From JT Mintz. One. I th- I think the first the first problem is there's just no floor spacing when it comes to shooting. Um, and I think that's why when you look at this team, you think, okay, it's really basically the same team from last year. Why are they not having the same success that they had towards the end of the year? But it's because of the fact that you had a guy who could space the floor and knock down, just catch and shoot 
simple threes like Brady could. Um, and they just don't really have anybody right now that's able to do that on a consistent basis. And so when you have crafty guards like RJ and Caleb trying to get downhill all the time or uh, Mondo down low trying to, you know, do his thing on the block, if you don't have guys that are threats on the perimeter, then the defense can just adjust and shift away from those guys who can't really shoot and help guard whoever the the main threat is. And so I think that's really the biggest thing is just not a lot of shooting out there on the court. Um, but I think that also kind of, it translates into defensively because if they're not hitting shots, their body language and their intensity on defense is totally different. You know, like if I think we were talking about it, but you know, it's funny to see when Caleb hits a couple shots defensively, he locks down the next few possessions, right? Like he looks his, like a completely different player, completely different player. Um, and, and all basketball players fall into that at some point, you know, like I've done the same exact thing. It's like, if your shot's not falling, you just don't, you don't have the urgency necessarily because you're just thinking about getting the next shot to fall. But I think because of the not really having a bunch of shot makers on the offensive end, it causes issues defensively when it comes to intensity and things like that. So hopefully, you know, they can get hot and kind of go on a roll and guys can, you know, step in and be consistent shooting wise. Um, but I think that's the main problem is just not really having a ton of consistent shooting on the outside. From a defensive perspective, when you're watching this North Carolina team, their, their effort kind of comes and goes, but I think one consistent we've kind of seen, especially towards the end of the game, teams are going to go after RJ Davis. How, how worrying do you think that is for North Carolina knowing that they need his offensive production, but I don't think with him, it's, it's a a lack of effort. You know, he leads the team in charges. I think he has 14 charges. The rest of the team combined has 11. They need his offense, but at the same time, he, he looks to be a liability on the defensive end. What can Carolina kind of do to maybe hide him on the defensive end or is it, is it as simple as trying to do the the offense for defense with somebody like Seth Trimble as much as possible? I mean, it's tough because, like you said, it's not that RJ's not necessarily putting effort in. You know, it's just unfortunate that he's a smaller guard. And so teams that are smart will try to attack whatever the mismatch might be. And at times it is RJ whenever it comes to maybe there's a bigger guard that he's guarding or, you know, they get a switch or whatever it might be. I think that honestly just comes down to scheme. Um, you know, you know, at this point in the season, that's kind of what they're going to do. And if you want to keep, obviously, RJ is one of the, the key pieces for the team. So you want to try to have him on the court as much as possible. So maybe there's a, you know, defensively, if he switches off onto somebody that's looking to duck him in, maybe you, you know, you try to just go double right away when they try to pass it inside. Or maybe, you know, might be crazy, but maybe you throw a zone at, at the end of the game, you know, to kind of change change things up defensively. I think there's just different schemes that you can do. Um, and I'm sure, you know, like we said before, I think Coach Davis is probably looking at each and every possible thing that he might need to do to help this team make a run towards the end of the season. But um, I think that's kind of what you you have to do. Um, you see a bunch of times on other teams in the NBA and college, you know, there might be guys who are considered, you know, not defensive players, but they figure out ways to, you know, not necessarily hide them, but to, you know, put in a scheme that helps him or whatever it might be um, on the defensive end. So I'm sure coach Davis is coming up with something. This question is from Carolina fever 83. This is something that we kind of talked about earlier in the season where 
you know, the the thing that was the most worrying was was the coaching staff talking about the lack of effort, the lack of intensity. When you go to the national championship, it, it's something that I don't think we're able to kind of process in our minds how how a team can kind of lose that motivation and and lose that focus when you were you were a half away from achieving a goal that you probably had since the time you learned what college basketball is. So uh, who would you say is ultimately at fault for, for the lack of effort? Is it entirely on the players? Is some of it on the coaching staff? Um, And why, why do you think there is such a big disconnect there in getting this team to play a motivated game of basketball for 40 minutes? Um, I think it's a mixture, Um, you know, but, before I say that, I, I'm not, you know, obviously we're not there each and every day through practice, you know, through the off season, all that kind of stuff. So we don't necessarily see day-to-day situations, right? So we can only speak on kind of things that we're seeing. And for me, I think a majority of it goes on the players. Um, I think a lot of times, like when we think about the fact that they just made it to the national championship game. And like you said, they were a half away going into the next season. It's even tougher to get back to where you just were, no matter if you're the same exact team or maybe you added some better pieces, whatever it is, it's even harder to get there. And so you have to have that mindset of, okay, like this isn't just because we made it. And maybe just because we're, preseason number one that does not mean that okay we're just going to be easy just to get back to where we just were um so I think we've talked about it before like the mindset that they were supposed to have going into the season was supposed to be even more intense even more locked in and more locked in towards the goal of okay we want to get back there and win it um but then too I think you know just in general I think a lot of times when you see you know lapses on the court with this team when it comes to effort or shot selection or turnovers or just bad like miscues within the game I think some of it comes to accountability now whether that's players holding each other accountable or that's the coaching staff holding the players accountable um, like accountability is one of the biggest things that you have to have to make it to that level and so whether it is maybe maybe the coaching staff is holding everybody accountable and they're still just going out there and just doing whatever they want to do. Um, but I think accountability is a big piece that I feel like I don't know fully if it, you know, if it really is a problem, but just looking from the outside, looking in, it seems like that's the part that's kind of missing. And, and that goes into leadership, all that kind of stuff. But I think, like I said, I think it's kind of a mix of both, but it's on the players once they get on the court to have the mindset of, okay, we want to make it back to where we just were and we want to win it this time. This question is from Omaha Heel 40. He's got a profile picture of Harrison Barnes, so I'm assuming that's where, where the 40 is coming in from. He asked, what was your lowest point as a team following a loss during your career outside of the national championship? And was there anything unique done in practice or off the court to kind of create a spark to get you guys back on track? Lowest point. Um, we had a few tough ones. Uh, but I want to say it was maybe a, it was against Northern Iowa, maybe. Or maybe Texas. One of those two. 
Um, Northern Iowa, for sure, we were not supposed to go in there and lose. Um, it was supposed to be like this nice homecoming for Marcus. Obviously, he couldn't play because his uh, injury, but um, it was supposed to be a nice homecoming. We were supposed to go in there, do our thing, beat them, um, and they just took it at us. And so, if I remember correctly, the next practice, I don't think we had rims on the goal. Um, and I think it was like a circuit. Like, it was like a whole, like, conditioning circuit type deal um but yeah I think that was that was a rough one um but like the crazy thing is is you know I thought we talk about this all the time within our group chat with like Marcus and Kenny and B-Rob and them it's like thinking back to the times when I was there I can't imagine losing five out of six which was what they were before they won this game at Notre Dame and the reason I can't imagine that is because we would have been terrified to lose another game if we would have lost two or three in a row because our practices would have been absolutely miserable like we would have been running we would have been doing all the things that basketball players don't want to do um and so it's like just thinking back to that maybe it is just you know the guys were just kind of different when it came to mentally like we just didn't want to do that and so we were like okay we got to change things up or what but I just can't imagine going five out of seven now and not changing our intensity from the jump of the next game or you know whatever it might be um but yeah we were when you walk into a gym and you don't see rims um that means no shooting which is like the number one thing that basketball players want to do and that means there's going to be a lot of defense and conditioning it's never a good feeling that is uh if you lost five of six with Roy you would have forgot what a basketball looked like you think yeah we wouldn't have I I don't even know if we would have had our locker room. I think we might have been like – we would have been in the training room probably with like chairs and like tape that just had our names on it. Like that would have been – yeah, it would have been bad. I've always been a fan of the coaches who take away the team gear. Like you got to earn – you got to earn wearing the like the Carolina logo back. <laughs> yeah, that's – if we would have lost five out of six, I think we would have possibly been at that point. So <laughs> – Thank goodness we did it. This next question is from UNC NBA 14. It's something that we've touched on a bit, um, but kind of expanding on it. Do you think it's realistic to have the same level of passion and connectivity as a team in a world of NIL and outside voices, or, or does that shift to more of an individual type focus? And we've, we've touched on the NIL and the only reason why I don't think NIL is a problem is because Carolina is not the only team in the country that's having to deal with NIL. But what do you think about the the outside voices type where every player has their own trainer, every every player has their parent? You kind of have that AAU culture now where, you know, a, a player's first thing after a game is to talk to their parents or uh, something happens on the court and the first thing they're doing is looking at their parents for coaching. Do you think that's a problem at all with this Carolina team and then kind of college basketball as a whole? Um, I mean, I, th I think the whole parent player dynamic has always been a thing. Um, I think maybe now that they're struggling, I think it's put more in the spotlight. Maybe um, I think the bigger thing with the NIL, I, obviously these are college kids, right? Like they've never seen the kind of money that they're bringing in now because of NIL deals. And I'm so happy that they're able to make this money um, because for so long players weren't 
able to make any kind of money that the NCAA was just raking in. Um, so I think for one, first and foremost, I'm a full supporter of the NIL. But I think when you look at the dynamics of the NIL deals and how it changes the scene of college basketball, I equate it just to being in the NBA, right? Like every player on an NBA roster is making money, right? Every, every player is making different kinds of money. Like the minimum is the minimum. The max guy is the max, but everybody's making money. And at the same time, they're still buying into a collective team. We want to win a championship. Right. And now I think that's obviously how college basketball is at this point where it's like, okay, I got to try to figure out how can I make as much money off of NIL deals as, for me as an individual player, but as a team, you have to still come together and have a collective goal in mind. And so I think there's obviously it's a process. This is the first real year of guys just making a ton of money off NIL deals. And so, you know, it's probably an adjustment for most players and even the coaches, but I think there's still a, there's still a way to focus on yourself and these NIL deals while also wanting to win a championship. Now, a lot of that also goes to loving the game of basketball. Like you have to, you have to love what you're doing to put in all the effort that you are supposed to put in. And if you're not, then you're not going to, if you're just getting paid, then what's the point of me putting in extra work or doing all this? I'm already making all this money. Right. So I think it's kind of a mixture, but I think there is a way to balance, you know, at any level. So, you know, I think obviously North Carolina will figure it out. Like you said, all the college basketball and, and college athletics is dealing with this. So they'll figure it out. It's, a, it's an adjustment period for sure. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This next question is from Tennessee Tar Heel 99. Your neck of the wood. Shout out Cleveland. Shout out Chattanooga. Uh, the question is, <laughs> what can this team do as players to improve their shooting ability midseason? I understand you can't change an entire shot mechanic this late into it, but is there anything that the guys could be doing aside from repetition to get shots to fall in the basket? Because I think when we're watching the Notre Dame game, they're shooting a lot of open shots. It's it's not really contested shots. They're just they're just missing shots mm-hmm. that you would normally expect basketball players at, at your guys' level to to hit and knock down on a consistent basis. Honestly, I think it's just repetitions. To be honest, there's really outside of repetitions, the only thing you can really do is completely change somebody's shot. And like you know, 
like this person said, you're not going to change somebody's shot mid-season, especially not this late in the season. Um, so anything that you can do is just get as comfortable as possible shooting the different kinds of shots that you would shoot in the game. And so, you know, I, I'm not there every day, um, but we haven't really seen any consistency shooting at all all season. And so my only thing would be, okay, like let's just get into the gym and shoot a ton of shots. And we still might brick a ton of shots the next game. But as long as you're preparing yourself and getting as many reps as you can to get as comfortable as you can for the game time, then that's all you can really do. Um, and so, unfortunately, I think that's really all there is. There's no, like, hey, let's make a mixture and have them drink their special drink and boom, they can, you know, knock down shots on a consistent basis. It's just a matter of them getting in the gym and doing kind of the, the hard and tedious work of getting shots up. So this question was actually from JT Mint. So I don't know who I credited his question with earlier, um, but he asked, is the team shooting woes a mental issue, a lack of confidence or a mental issue slash lack of confidence or a physical technique issue. Is that something that you would be able to tell without, you know, getting in the film room and, and breaking it down? Um, I mean, for one, it's towards the end of the season. So you got to think about how many practices, how many workouts, how many games, um, how much traveling they have to do. You know, your body starts to just get tired as the season goes on. Um, and so unless you're, taking care of your body like you're supposed to, then you're going to have towards the end of the game, towards the end of the season, you're going to kind of have some dips. Um, so I think maybe physically, um, maybe they're just a little more tired. And so shots, you know, don't come off their hands. Right. Um, you know, there's so much that goes into shooting that seems like it's so simple, but um, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is. They haven't shot the ball well most of the season, um, and so now it's, you know, it's more thinking about, I have to make this next shot as opposed to this next shot is going in. Cause I just feel comfortable shooting it. Um, you know, I, I'm not totally sure what it is, but I think for them mentally, it's just a matter of just stepping into shots confidently. Like you're going to miss, you're going to make or miss it at the end of the day. Like that's just how it is. And unfortunately throughout this season, there's been a lot of misses. So just step into it confidently. If you miss it, get back on defense. If you make it, cool. Try to keep that same the same rhythm that you shot that shot with. Um, but, you know, I think it's just a matter of just shooting confidently and hopefully they can get high at the right time. Yeah, this stat comes from Brian Ives on Twitter. North Carolina's three-point shooting in February. Caleb Love is 24 of 62, so 39%. The rest of the team – is 21 for 119, 18%. If this North Carolina team is able to raise their three-point percentage to a more respectable level, you know, 35%, how much impact would that have on this team's late season trajectory? If, if Caleb continues to hit shots, but you also get contributions from deep from RJ, Pete, and, you know, Puff to, to a lesser extent. Yeah, I mean, it's it totally changes the dynamic of the team. Um, I mean, we've seen clips of how when certain guys are on the floor and if they're the opposite side of the ball, their defender is literally in the middle of the paint. And there's no way you can have any kind of functionality to your offense with the defense being able to just shrink completely into the paint 
and not have to worry about getting out to the guys on the perimeter. So like you said, if obviously Caleb shot the ball well in February, but if RJ, even Leaky, if Pete, like if those guys can just knock down simple catch and shoot threes or, you know, simple drive kicks and just step into a confidently and knock it down, then the defense can't just shrink into the paint. So then RJ can get into the paint. Mondo has way more space in there to either when he gets the ball, go and score or clear people out for offensive rebounds. Um, so I think it's it's just a matter of just being able to space the floor. It's a totally different game when you have shooters on the floor. You know, like you you look at you look at guys in the NBA, the Warriors for the longest, they're the most terrifying team because all they do is just space and shoot threes. Like there's no other, there's nothing else. Like their big man, even all he's doing is just setting screens, rolling, or he's spaced the three point line. So when you look at a team like North Carolina with, you know, at the end of the day, they've got talent. Caleb, RJ, Mondo, Pete, like they have talent. It's just a matter of being able to play an open spaced floor. Um, and a lot of that goes to guys just stepping in and being confident, knocking down shots. Yeah. And one, one area that I wanted to, make sure that we mentioned especially after the notre dame game um a area that i thought really helped him out pete nance his entry passes into mondo i think that's one area where if his shot's not falling at this team has struggled at times to get the ball inside to armando i think pete does a really good job of providing those entry passes and then leaky where this stat is from trevor william marks on twitter He's averaging 7.4 points, 9.1 rebounds, and 1.8 steals per game in the month of February. And then he's rebounding the ball exceptionally well on both ends, 3.7 offensive rebounds per game over that stretch, where even if this team is struggling to shoot, this this newfound um, Leaky, who, who's crashing the glass a lot harder than we've ever seen him crash the glass, is providing those second chance points. And this North Carolina team can steal a lot of possessions um, when things aren't going well for them. So what have you kind of seen from, from Leakey and from Pete who might not be providing the offensive scoring that fans might want to see, but you know, they're trying to find other ways to impact the game. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the most important thing is whether your shots are falling or, whatever it is, what ways can you impact the game to help your team win? And I think a lot of times, you know, I think Leaky sometimes gets a bad rap when it comes to, you know, him not necessarily being a knockdown three-point shooter. Um, but when you really look at Leaky's game, everybody, everybody on the team isn't necessarily going to be a knockdown shooter. But when you look at Leaky's game, he does a lot of things to impact winning, right? Like he might do some things that, you know, might hurt him at times, but he does a lot of things to impact winning. Defensively, he guards their best play, the other team's best player every game. Like you said, he's been hitting the offensive glass like a madman the past couple games, which honestly is kind of his should be his way offensively of getting involved because if his man's not guarding him, you know, as tightly as other guys, it gives you a free run to the basket every time. So to see him doing that, to see him getting, you know, the team more second chance opportunities when they're not necessarily shooting the ball. Well, that just means they need more shot shot attempts. So, um, you know, I think you got to give leaky a lot of credit. Um, and I think certain games he has stepped in and knocked down some shots um, and made some plays for them offensively. And then I think Pete, you know, he obviously hasn't shot the ball. Well, you know, like he, he'd probably be the first to admit, like he wishes that he's 
shot the ball a little bit better. But he's also done other things. I think the last game against Notre Dame, he what, had 11, 10, and 5, something like that. Um, they don't and so win that think, game without him. No, not at all. And I think at the same time, he went 3 for 12 from the field. So it's like there's obviously a trade-off. Um, but at the end of the day, where they're at in this season, no matter whether your shots are falling, if you're 0 for 20, 19 for 20, there has you have to do things to affect winning. And if they can somehow come together as a group and figure out whatever it is individually that the team needs to do that, um, then I think, you know, they have a shot of kind of doing the same thing they did last year and getting hot and making a run. Um, but at this point in the season, it doesn't matter about what percentages are, what points per game are. Like, each and every guy has to just buy into whatever the team needs to try to get wins. Yeah, the team is on the wrong side of the bubble right now, which is not something you want to be saying this late into February, just about two weeks probably away from uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, this next question is from Sweet Pass. He asked, what are your views on the current bench play and the lack of production that Carolina has gotten from from its bench and, and the rotations that we kind of see in these games? Um. I think that's tough because the only real way for a player to produce and have an effect on the game is to play. And I think a lot of times throughout this season, they just haven't gotten much opportunity, you know, like coach will HD will throw Tyler nickel in there for three minutes and then he won't play the rest of the game or, Dunn will go in there for two or three minutes and then won't play the rest of the game. And so, you know, whatever the the thought is behind that, obviously that's their prerogative as the coaches and, you know, especially as HD as a head coach. Um, but as a player, it's almost impossible to affect the game on the court if you're not playing at least some sort of consistent minutes. Even if it's like 10 minutes a game, you know you're going to play – five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half, you're able to kind of get into a rhythm and, and you know, do what you're supposed to do. But whenever you don't really have consistent minutes, it's going to be hard. And so I think a part of that is they just haven't really gotten consistent opportunities. Um, and so I think, you know, as hard as it is, they just have to keep the mindset of, you know, the whole cliche of stay ready um, for whenever your name is called. So I think I'll put it more on the opportunities that they've learned the lack of opportunities that they've had and them going out there and not really doing much with it. Yeah. My problem with the rotation that Carolina currently has, it's, you know, DeMarco, he plays zero minutes against NC state. And then he's one of the first guys off the bench uh, against the Notre against Notre Dame. Jalen Washington doesn't play at all against um, NC State and we saw his contributions when when Mondo went down in that Virginia game and how he's shown flashes and it would be one thing if this team had won like seven straight games and it's like okay you can't really criticize who's going in and when but when you're losing five of seven and you have these guys on the bench it's like maybe let's just see see what they have and when you have somebody like Dunn whose minutes kind of um, jump around from game to game and you could say it's a, a schematic thing, but we talked about earlier, RJ Davis, where it's not like, you know, he's, he's the best two-way player that Carolina mm -hmm. has. So um, it does open up a lot of questions. And, you know, when, when you are losing as much as this Carolina team has lost recently, 
people do want to see changes. So that's, that's really my, my one gripe with um, the rotation. The final question I have from you is from heel 23. Yeah. He said, after this season, which positions would you target in the portal or not only positions, but I guess types of player would you, would you target in the portal for what this Carolina team needs going forward? Um, I mean, that's tough. And I think this is why, that's why it'd be so hard to be a coach as far as recruiting and trying to bring people in. Um, I think obviously what we've talked about pretty much this whole, this whole episode is shooting. Um, so I think it's a matter of finding spacers. They can shoot the ball, um, obviously can play both sides of the ball, but they need some sort of spacers that can really stretch the floor, um, and be able to knock down shots. Um, and I think it's tough too, cause you know, who knows what the team looks like next year, right? Like we don't know who's coming back, who's, you know, going to try to go professional, whatever it might be. Um, so I think it just kind of depends on what, you know, what happens with the team. And then there's, you know, there's obviously some freshmen that are going to come in and hopefully, you know, help them out a little bit. So, um, I think my biggest thing, which is obviously their biggest hole this year is shooting. And if they can find some guys, even if it's guys on the roster right now, if they can find some guys that can be consistent three-point shooters for them, I think it totally changes the look of their team. Yeah, I would I would be going in the portal, sorting those players out by highest three-point percentage, and then getting them on the line. Maybe, maybe getting a, a facilitator two type guard. I think Carolina has two score first type guards right now in, in R.J. Davis and uh, Caleb Love, and that's one of the reasons why they might struggle running in transition where, you know, both of those guys are are looking to get theirs. And not only are they looking to get theirs, but that's when they're at their best is when they're initiating the offense themselves, trying to get the best shots for themselves. Um, so maybe I would definitely say shooting has to be a priority, um, but also maybe a, a facilitator type player, but Carolina back in action tomorrow, February 25th, Saturday, 6 p.m., against number six, Virginia, a huge game for Carolina um, in their bubble pursuit and trying to get back on the right side of the bubble. You, you beat a top 10 team like Virginia. That That's a quad one win. Carolina desperately needs as many quad one wins as they can to, to close out the year as they're currently sitting on uh, zero. You got to hope some of the teams that Carolina has beaten or – some of the teams that Carolina has beaten to keep winning uh, teams like Michigan. I think that Ohio state win is getting worse as the season goes on and the Buckeyes just keep losing every time they take the court, but Justin appreciate you appreciate everybody watching or listening. And of course, appreciate the, the inside Carolina premium message board this week for, for sending in questions. Sir. Appreciate it. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.